0: If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. I want to read just a few verses from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, Because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight. Lord, we're thankful for even a time set aside and the freedom to be set aside and now come together for the the opportunity to pray. Lord, we're thankful that you have made this way open to us where we can come in our Saviour's name and pray to the Heavenly Father. Lord, even as we come to pray now, before we come to the Word, I just ask that even as we've read the word, you've blessed it to our hearts. But also as I come to preach, Lord, give that word in season, not only to my own heart, but to the hearts of the hearers here as well. Bless us as we contemplate how it is that the love of Christ constraineth us. And may even the thoughts of Christ bless our hearts tonight. And even as we think of him, as we leave, Lord, may we love him more. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So what I want to really hone in on here tonight, as we've intimated in the prayer even, is those first few words in verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Now, as I come to these words tonight, I know that they will deserve a lot more attention than I'm going to give them tonight. But my hope is that you will be encouraged by these words. We're, we're going to think of it under the heading of the Christian motive, the Christian motive if I was to ask you why should I go to Uganda? What would make me go to Uganda? What would make you serve the Lord here even in Belfast or wherever your community is? Why? What would drive you to do such a thing? Why would you pray for us as we go to Uganda? What's your motivation? Is the question. And that's what we want to answer here. Uh, even tonight. You think of Paul the Apostle. He's the one who's writing the words here in Second Corinthians. And you think of what we think even of Paul the Apostle, this great missionary. We, we raise him up as one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. So we esteem him to be this great man. But the reality is, as, as you read through Scripture, as you read through the, his epistles, the reality is Paul was not so well thought of by everyone. He was not this great man in the thoughts of everyone. He was an outcast many a time. He was running for his life. Even in chapter 10, you'll find there, you'll read, there were these false apostles coming in. They were saying, yes, look, you, look, you read his letters. They're powerful. They're great. But just look at him. Look at the man. He's weak. Listen to how he speaks. His speech is contemptible." So he was clearly not loved by everyone. And if you turn even to chapter 11, of Second Corinthians chapter, of Corinthians chapter 11 and the verse 24, we have that well-known list there. Just it's Paul listing out all of the things that he had to go through as a missionary. In verse 24 of chapter 11, he says, "Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one; thrice was I beaten with rods; once was I stoned; thrice I suffered shipwreck." A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended and I burn not. So you think of Paul here as this missionary. And of course there were mountaintop experiences for Paul. You think of the, the many souls he saw won for Christ. You think of the many churches that he planted. And you might think to yourself, well, it's easy to remain motivated when things are going well in the ministry. But what about when you go through all the other stuff that we've just mentioned about Paul? The perils, the, the ridicule by others, the persecution that he undertook. What motivated Paul to keep on going when everything was not going so well? Well, some reasons you might give, well, he loved people. Maybe Paul was just a people person. He loved reaching out to people, and that may be true. Maybe he just loved the travel. And of course we understand there is excitement there's enjoyment comes from traveling and of course as the great missionary he would have loved planting churches maybe those things motivated Paul to keep on going but you think of the things that i just mentioned if you're honest with yourself you think of people yes there's many people who are amicable and are easy to work with and a joy to work with but we know the old saying where there's people there's problems not everyone is as lovable, right? So there are those people who are just, you might say, are downright unlovable, but yet Paul kept on going. So people wasn't the most motivation. You think of traveling, and while there's enjoyment in traveling, it's not always a joyful experience. Maybe you've experienced um, a holiday you've been on, and it hasn't been all that joyful uh, at all. Um, I mentioned there that I was in Papua New Guinea for a year. And many of the traveling experiences, so what I did, I, was, I would have went around tribe to tribe, just kind of tribe hopping, you might say, uh, seeking to help the missionaries as I could, uh, practically. And I did that for a year, and I saw many a tribe, and it was, on a whole, an enjoyable experience. But I remember one occasion leaving a tribe, and it was a 14-hour book trip. Um, That was bad enough in itself, but it was in one of the roughest seas I've ever been on. And it was a little boat, it was standing room only, and of course with the seas as rough as they were, even the locals, well, uh, there's no nice way to put it, they were throwing up everywhere. And because of the climate, I of course was in the flip-flops, and so you can imagine what was washing in between my toes in that occasion. But of course, standing at the railing as well, because it was standing room only, at times I was just parallel with the waves. And I was thinking, we're not going to make this. And that was about 10 hours still to go. So yes, traveling can be exciting as a missionary, but it's not always a good experience. You know, Paul was shipwrecked as well. And then you think of planting churches. Now, of course, planting churches is really uh, the aim for the missionary, to get churches established. And of course, Paul did that. But what are churches made up of? It's people Even the people that we just discussed and talked about. So then you think of Paul's commitment. What motivated Paul? It couldn't have been all of these unpredictable, changeable things. If that was Paul's key motivation, we would have seen Paul quit the ministry, uh, the missionary life, very quickly. So Paul, being motivated, could not have been motivated by these things. What was his motivation then? Well, it had to be something that was unchangeable and immovable. And of course that is the love of Christ, the immutable love of Christ. Paul says it was the love of Christ that constrains him. Whether it was in shipwreck or whether it was in safe crossing, Paul kept going. It was the love of Christ kept him going. Whether it was in sickness or in health, whether it was in ridicule or whether people were praising him, the love of Christ constrained him to keep on going. And Paul says it's that love, that motive should constrain us as well. This isn't just for Paul. Paul wasn't just writing this concerning himself. It wasn't just for a select few within the church. Paul says the love of Christ constraineth us. He was talking to all the believers within the church of Corinth. So this is hopefully, I I pray that it's a word for all of us here tonight, that we would let the love of Christ constrain us, be our motivation in all that we do. So let's think of this great motivation then. What does constraineth mean, first of all? When it says the love of Christ constraineth us, what does that really mean? Because you think of the word constrain in our own English. We, we think of constrain as something that holds us back, to be held back or to be restrained in some sense. Now that's of course not what Paul is getting at here in the verse. It's not that the love of Christ holds us back or restrains us. Rather, what does constraineth mean? Well, in our text, it's really speaking about being kept by or being held together by. So we are held together by the love of Christ. And it goes even further than that in the sense that we are controlled by the love of Christ. That's really the sense of what Paul's saying here. And so when I talk about being constrained, that's what I am talking about as well. Being held together by and controlled by the love of Christ. Now, the illustration that I, I came up with to try and explain what that might look like uh, was the illustration of the car chase. If you've ever watched a car chase online or on TV, maybe there's a stolen car and it's heading down the motorway. But then you find the police cars do what is, I think is called a box manoeuvre. Right? So one police car will draw, go along front of that stolen car, another two will draw alongside, and then one will come up the rear. And so what happens is that they box that car in, and now that car can be maneuvered to safety. It can now be controlled by those other cars. So I hope you see why I give you that illustration. What Paul's saying here is that if you're a believer here tonight, if you're born again, you've experienced that new birth, the Bible says we are in Christ. We are surrounded by Christ. We are taken up with the love of Christ, so much so that everything we do, that love permeates our lives, so much so that everything we do do is now controlled by that love. That's really the sense of what is being said in this, this verse. As the love of Christ constraineth us, we are being permeated by that love, and it now affects everything that we do, at least it should so the question, of course, comes, well, have you experienced this love? Of course, at a prayer meeting, I would, I would hope you've experienced the love of Christ and salvation. How that love, God so loved the world that he sent his son. So I hope that the love of Christ has constrained you at least to accept him as savior. You're saved. But beyond the salvation, have you, do you know what it feels like? Do you know what it is to experience the love of Christ constraining you in life and ministry? Everything that you do is just controlled by the love of Christ. Bring it back to what we mentioned before. The the truth that nothing else can be our constant source of motivation in this life. You think of life itself. Life can change so quick. People change. Everything has a habit of changing. But yet in the changeableness of life... What's the constant for the believer? It's always the love of Christ. It never changes. Turn to Romans chapter 8, please, just to encourage our hearts even further with that thought. The constant love of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Well-known text, I'm sure, to you. It says, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution... shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of Christ. Of course, the love of Christ is why we are saved tonight. The love of Christ that brought him into this world today for our sins. There's a sacrifice there on the cross. Love brought him here. There's the love of Christ, and that giving us this new life, we are now kept in that salvation that we've received to such an extent that, as it says here in Romans chapter 8, we will never be separated from that love. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. And if you take nothing with you here tonight, at least go with that encouragement. Whatever has happened in the past, maybe it's just the past year, even the past days, you've maybe come here with a heavy heart, go with the encouragement, the love of Christ has not changed. And whatever comes to pass in the following weeks, following year, the love of Christ will never change. The love that he has for you is unchanging. It is an eternal, everlasting love. And so even going with that encouragement, but here Paul, the point is that it is that love now that constraineth Paul to make that love known. That's what we want to think about even in our final points. Before we come to prayer, let's think about the result of having this preoccupation with the love of Christ. Where does it ultimately lead us? Well, practically, it leads us beyond ourselves. The love of Christ will always have us think beyond ourselves. You look at our, our verses there in our text in Second Corinthians chapter 5, and the verse 14 again. "'For the love of Christ constraineth us, "'because we thus judge, "'that if one died for all, then we're all dead.' And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So here again is the point. The love of Christ will take us beyond ourselves. Ultimately, it will have us live for him. So being constrained by the love of Christ, as it has us live for him, what does that mean? What will that look like? Well, our interests then are going to be his. Our desires are going to be His desires. The love that He has for people will be the love that we will have for people. The love that He has to make His name known to the nations should be the love that we have to make His name known. We are constrained by His love to do this. This brings us full circle to think of Paul as the missionary again. Why did he go? He was motivated and constrained by the love of Christ to do so. It starts with the love of Christ. That's where it always begins. It starts with His love that He has for the individual. But that's reciprocated in His people to a love that we have then for Him, which then leads us to make that love known to those for whom He has died. So I hope you see the progression. His love that will turn to a love that we have for Him, which will then turn... Or lead us to then make that love to those for whom he has died. That's why anyone goes to Uganda. That's why any of you serve the Lord. And I believe we're all called to serve to some capacity. But why serve? It's because the love of Christ constraineth you to do so. If you look at those verses in verses 18 and 20. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation? Well, it's really just another way to put the gospel. Reconciliation talks about how God's wrath has really been appeased. We are now at peace with a God that we were once at enmity with. Jesus Christ, the love of Christ, has reconciled us. And now we are told here that we have this ministry now of reconciliation to make it known. In verse 20, we're told, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a spokesperson. What a privileged position it is to be a spokesperson for Christ. To be saved, yes, there's many a blessing for ourselves in salvation, but that salvation was never meant to just stop at us as the individual. It was always Christ's intention in saving us That through us, he would make that love known to the others around us. We are his spokesperson. His mouthpieces, you might put it like that. And what a privileged place it is to be a spokesperson for Christ. But why do it, is the question. Because his love constraineth us to do so.